0: You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi.
1: And welcome to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1014. As the president of LPA, Dan Heinfeld, leads the firm with focus on the relationship between sustainability and design excellence. LPA provides architecture, planning, landscape architecture, and many more services. And it's the passion and the people behind the firm that sets them apart. I've asked Dan to join us today to discuss more on the culture and this integrated business model and how they do their development projects. Dan, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show.
0: Thank you, Rick. I'm really happy to be here.
1: It's great to have you here. I wonder if you could speak a little closer to the microphone, and uh, we'll move it up like that. And also, tell me an interesting, I'll be the judge, but tell us a story about your professional past that helps us get to know you a little bit better, Dan.
0: Well, in uh, 1976, I graduated from architecture school in Arizona, and I moved to Orange County. I'd like to tell you that I did an amazing amount of research and understood that this was the land of opportunity. Of course. Absolutely. But that was not the case. I was just blind lucky. (laughs) Uh, And found out that really I was very lucky because in uh, 1983, when Mr. Bren bought the Irvine Ranch, there's a person who really understands that design matters. Uh-huh. Uh, he hired an individual named Roger Seitz to lead their urban planning and design group. Okay. And Roger Seitz was a partner at SOM, which was at the time the best premier architectural firm in the country. Wow. And Roger and I uh, developed a great relationship over the year. He really kind of became my mentor. He really sort of taught me about what it meant to be a commercial architect. And
1: you were in the right place at the right time. I I
0: was so fortunate. And that idea of mentorship really is sort of fundamental to LPA. And those sort of lessons I learned there from Roger Uh uh, helped me uh, develop the incredible staff that I have at LPA.
1: Well, you know, for those who are listening that know Orange County and know Southern California, you know that coming out here in the early 80s, 80s was a very good time with the growth of the
0: absolutely all that's yeah.
1: been built out here in the, in the in the evolution of orange county and but you guys just don't do work in orange county do you
0: no we actually work all over california and actually have two offices in texas which we opened in uh our latest one was just like a month ago in really uh, dallas and we've had an office in
1: san antonio for three years okay so people who are listening because we have a national if internet not yeah. an international following so people may think, oh, well, that makes sense. You went to Texas from California. But why did you as the president and the other executives decide Texas of all the other 49 states?
0: Well, uh, pretty easy. Second largest economy in the country. Uh, And lots of people from California are migrating to Texas uh it's got a lot of growth potential and sort of the things that we do which are really sort of community buildings education schools k-12 higher ed you know after there's a lot of growth in the commercial world which is Texas's experience those are sort of the next things that follow
1: the infrastructure
0: the infrastructure all those kinds of you know quality of life sort of projects which we specialize in are the next wave and so it just sort of made sense to do it and we found some good partners to start it up with and um it's actually, it's been very successful and are really happy with it. And we were told when we were doing this that there's lots of firms that go from Texas to California, but very few that go from California to Texas. Successfully? Yeah, successfully. Oh, did they say why? Well, uh, I think, and um, I guess maybe it depends on how you do that, uh, because uh, Texas is really pretty m- Texas is a place where you need to have local presence. You need to have local people who've been there for a while. So if you go there and you're going to establish yourself as, "Hey, I'm this hotshot California," yeah, I'm firm, all that. And a bag yeah, of chips. yeah, you're probably not going to be
1: successful. You're not from these parts, yeah, yeah, are you, boy? Yeah. Yeah, okay, but
0: but it's really interesting. uh, They passed their first energy code uh, last year. You know, California had energy code since 1979. (laughs) I'm I'm shocked that you said that. Yeah, and so we think it's a really good opportunity to bring the kind of practical sustainability that we do to uh, Texas because it's now it's part of their code. So
1: okay, so uh, a couple questions. I'd I'd like to spend a couple minutes about LPA if you're okay with that, Dan. Has the niche that you specialize in today always been LPA's wheelhouse? Or during your time there, has has that something that has evolved over time?
0: Yeah, it's very much evolved over the time. Okay. Because, you know, probably 25 years ago, 15 years ago, no one was really thinking about sustainability as like they do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for us... Uh, it was always about really understanding the climate and where the sun was, and so how your building got affected by that in terms of you know how it related to a facade or uh, how you know you saw your energy efficiency and things like that was always important to us so uh, that was a natural progression so that when sustainability and the USGBC introduced LEED. Mm-hmm. Uh, in can the you define that? LEED is uh, leader, uh, leadership in energy and environmental design. Okay. And the I, idea behind that is? The idea behind that is to really do buildings that have a smaller footprint uh, okay. uh, in terms of resources and the things that they do in healthier environments.
1: Because I would think in that's, uh, at that scale, a small improvement can make... Especially because the duration of the structure for how long it's alive, right? A small improvement or a large improvement can have a dra- dramatic change in this structure. Absolutely.
0: Footprint. We talk about that all the time. A few percentages here and there in energy savings have a heck of a lot of uh, momentum over a 30-year, 50-year life right. of a building. So, right. so when that came along in the early 2000s, it was a natural sort of progression for us to really adopt that. And so we did actually the first lead NC building in the country, Whoa. which was here in Irvine, you. and it was the premier automotive group. Wow, uh, so it was the very first uh, lead in. That's not worth it. Yeah, it was really, and so that was sort of you know, and so we just uh, naturally kind of ate that up. It was just right in our wheelhouse, where we were comfortable, and we felt that it was really sort of like the best thing that's ever happened to the industry. Really, because it gave me an opportunity to be more valuable to my clients. Okay. You know, so instead of talking about some of the really kind of crazy things that we architects talk about, like the poche of a wall and things like that, uh-huh. I'm talking about energy use with my clients. I'm talking about a healthier indoor environment, you know, things like that that really have a meaning.
1: Right. So, um, so Dan, when this happened, when lead came in, did you observe others in your industry resist it?
0: Absolutely. It was one of those things where you kind of look back now and you just think, I just can't believe that people fought it the way that they did originally. And I don't know if it's just because it was different. Different, right. uh, Or if they always thought, oh, my gosh, uh, we're going to have to do this and it's going to make everything so much more expensive. Right. Which is absolutely not true. Not true? Not at all. Absolutely not at all. Really? No, absolutely not at all. It is... um, you can make it be more expensive, right, if you want to, <laughs> okay. right? But um, if you make it part of the building's DNA and if you think about it from the very beginning, uh, it doesn't add. And there's been studies, you know, lots of studies done that show that that is absolutely the true case. So it's it's – i just didn't understand why it was such fought with such resistance in the beginning because it really is just the smart thing to do i kind of
1: the next evolution absolutely i mean so more awareness
0: if if it doesn't cost more money and you're going to save energy you're going to have a healthy indoor environment you know water why 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 would you not want to be a part of
1: this because there is a financial roi on that we say save energy save water i mean these things cost money if you don't use them you save that money so beyond the the sustainability aspect of it. There's a financial yeah, aspect that, of it. We
0: talk about that a lot. It's called the practicality of sustainability. Okay. Right. And the other thing that I w- want to emphasize and talk about also is is that sustainability. We think is a fabulous design partner. So instead of chasing fashion, you're solving problems. Mm. And the most sustainable thing we can do is create a building that's really beautiful that people love and live in and remodel for 50 to 100 years right so i we don't ever want to leave beauty or firmness or whatever you want to call it out of the equation of sustainability Hmm. uh and so we that's that's where we feel really comfortable that's our niche this idea that sustainability
1: really leads to great design okay so i might be going out on a limb here dan in the early days of lead and sustainability did did is there and maybe even today Is there any correlation between the companies who hire you and do these designs and create these uh, LEED certified buildings and have these type of sustainable mentality to the impact on the employees who inhabit that space after it's erected and usable?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The, it's called the triple bottom line of sustainability, which is sort of the health and wellness of the people who use it. And so, in a lot of ways, that's the holy grail, right? If you can create a healthier, thinking, right? yeah, if you can create a healthier building that has less absenteeism, right, or fosters collaboration, or any of those sort right. of things that go on, uh, that far outweighs anything you might pay for uh, energy feature or whatever it might be. Cause, uh, and that, that's a much tougher thing to prove, right? You know, right? Uh, so we really concentrate on those sort of things that we can find data on, energy efficiency, water use. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where we can really sort of say, hey, we can make a difference here. I mean, as an example, Southern California Edison has a Savings by Design program, which they uh, give money back to builders who and owners who do buildings that you know uh, are more efficient. Uh, we've saved over the last seven years, we've actually been able to give back $4 million to our owners wow. in those incentives. Wow. So, you know, doing good does good, right? right. Yeah. So yeah.
1: yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take our first and only commercial break here on okay. Critical Mass Radio Show. And for those loyal listeners who listen to the show on a regular basis, you know that this is like a 30-second commercial for something that I do here in the Critical Mass business. So you're not going to want to get far away from your phone or your computer or your whatever because we're going to come back and when we come back i want to continue to talk about the firm lpa and and the culture and how you guys do work inside of your shop are you comfortable with that dan absolutely all right don't go anywhere ladies and gentlemen we're going to come back and talk about the culture of lpa after this word from me
0: richard franzi is a highly sought after keynote speaker on topics of interest to ceos of middle firms across north america Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, Visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104.
1: And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. A great way to stay informed about our great guests like Dan Heinfeld here, president of LPA, is to sign up simply for our weekly newsletter, Go to Critical Mass for Business, com. At the bottom of any page is a Join Our Mailing List box. Simply type in your email address, hit subscribe, and like magic, you'll start receiving our weekly newsletter with information about our guests and special insights from me. We do nothing else with your email address other than what you want us to do, which is joining our mailing list. All right, before the break, I said I wanted to kind of focus my attention back into what I believe is a unique culture that you've developed uh, inside of your firm. So I'm wondering if if, if you can talk, uh, talk a little bit about the integrated business model that LPA has developed. And first of all, describe it from a kind of culture perspective. Great.
0: Um, so what was interesting about in our sort of journey to sustainability so much of sustainability isn't just architecture it's the MEP which is mechanical electrical plumbing it's landscape it's civil so it's really hard to do and really be a great sustainable firm without really having those entities and the architectural practice is a very odd practice in the way that they do work and that they actually cobble together these teams of consultants like civil Mechanical, all those sort of things, and put them together for a project. Okay. So they might not share anything culturally together. They might have you know, maybe worked once or twice before. But it sort of is a really odd sort of way to segment uh, things. And, you know, basically we see every day in the world where it's all about collaboration, right? And so right. how do you get people together? We want to have these collisions of creativity. So about 10 years ago, we decided to totally change our firm. And instead of being an architectural firm, we became a design firm. And that distinction is is that we have all of those disciplines that allow you to do a project in-house.
1: So you don't have to contract out or go to a That's partner. That's right. Okay. So,
0: so what I have then is, so I have structural engineers who are in-house who are making the architects better architects. The architects are making the structural engineers better structural engineers, and it goes all the way across the board. So when we originally did this, we thought it would make us a better sustainable firm, and it has without a doubt. But what we didn't really understand is how profoundly different it would change our practice. What do you mean? It, it changed it in such that it's such a more collaborative situation now, because these people are communicating, you know, on an hourly basis, you know, they're running into each other and they're talking about projects. And so things don't just sort of in the traditional world an architect would sort of come up with a site plan and he'd sort of give it to the civil engineer and say, Hey, make this work. Yeah, go build yeah, this thing. Go yeah. build this thing, right. you know? That never grumble, happens. Grumble, grumble. That yeah. never happens anymore. Okay. These people get together and they talk about what's the best way to solve this problem. You know, and so they start off from the very beginning, collaborating, oh my gosh. they start to work together, then they collaborate more as it sort of gets more refined, and right. so there's like this proof of concept that happens you know as you move along and so instead of being this uh, the, the sequence where it sort of kind of rises and you know depends on right. it Project actually, based. yeah, yeah. It, is, it is very much about a process, so it's a much more linear process in terms of it
1: well, how, how do you arrange them physically in they, your, in they your space? are.
0: Scattered throughout the office. I mean the whole idea is I mean there there are sort of pockets where there are groups together, but the idea is that we want these sort of collisions to happen all the time. Okay. You know, so when you're walking down the hallway there's the mechanical engineer and you can talk to him about your job. Hey, I just thought of something. Let's, so he's not over in some talk. other far yeah. wing no, no, or building absolutely. or yeah, we, we, we want to be integrated within the team. Okay. Yeah. So it it has just profoundly changed the practice and, and like sustainability that yeah. really, really changed practice i think this is changing the practice even more in our
1: practice in particular Can, can we get a gong for the loyal listeners you know whenever you hear that sound that we just had a conversation that is appropriate for a lot of different entities right you don't have to be a architecture moving to a design firm you can if you've got different departments who have to work together the idea of collect especially i would think with bringing in, do you have a lot of millennials in your shop?
0: Absolutely. Like 50% of my practice right now is millennials, I would think this, as is the workforce
1: right now. I would yeah. think this would be something, in addition to what you do and how you do it and your focus on the sustainability, I would think the way you do your work would be an attractive proposition for them as well. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's
0: one of the key recruiting things we do when we go to job fairs and we talk about how we work. And uh, believe me, the millennials get it. They really understand. They want to have, They want to have a purpose like that. And I think that's really what we're trying to do is give a purpose to what we're doing here. It isn't just sort of doing buildings. We're really trying to do buildings that are just smarter, better, uh, have a smaller environmental footprint, You know, serve their clients better, change lives. Right. And uh, that's a really powerful thing to be a part of.
1: I would think uh, we all know business owners across the country or maybe around the globe, but certainly here in, in North America know how tight the labor market has been for the past couple of years. But I would think in your disciplines, the labor market is even Tighter? Yeah, it's very,
0: yeah, uh, our our number one thing is finding talented people, yeah, right. right? And so, yeah, it's, it's a tough labor market, but this has given us a very unique advantage in terms of recruiting and talking about, you know, hey, what do you want to do, you know, professionally? Here, here's an opportunity to really practice in a very different way.
1: Right. Wow, that's awesome. See, that's a bonus. we got bonus material here on Critical Mass Radio Show from Dan. You know, I like to ask some of my guests what we call here the guiding principle question, Dan. You're president of LPA. And what I mean by the guiding principle is you've learned a lot of business lessons in your years leading and growing organizations. I wonder if, if you could describe for our audience kind of your overarching philosophy about what you view as important and how you're leading and growing LPA today.
0: Well, in my particular business, uh, it's all about design matters. We're a design firm, and what I'm trying to do is to get really talented people to work together collaboratively uh, in ways that they never really thought possible because if I create a better process, I'm inherently going to have better results. And, okay. that's, and that's what we're trying to do at my firm right Okay, now.
1: And your customers must see that in some way. I don't know if that's less design changes or, the, you know, a more efficient process, less cost for them. But there's got to be something that, in addition to how you're doing your work, that your customers, beyond this beautiful, sustainable design.
0: Right. Well, uh, that collaboration that we talk about, they're also a part of it. Okay. So so once they sort of experience and work with that, and so, you know, we're not a firm that brings ideas and say, geez, don't you love it, Right. You know, we spend lots of time with our clients trying to get to know them, understand what's important to them, and to really find what is sort of the elemental truth of their particular project. If if you're looking for someone to just to do sort of a cookie cutter kind of thing, that's not what we do. Okay. And so having our clients involved in this, I mean, it is a they have the time of their lives participating in these kinds of things because they can actually help shape their building and how their processes go and really affect the lives of the people who are using it. And and once you do that, you'll never want to practice any other way because it is really powerful.
1: You know, when you are answering that question, it made me think that I wanted to go back when you had earlier talked about the collaboration part of it. I would think, you tell me if it's true, that one of the consequences of this more collaborative style is that there may be more shared ownership among all the departments for the projects that you're working on because of the nature of the way that you develop?
0: Yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. I mean, I, I want to have a project where 20 people in my office and 20 clients said, gee, that was my idea.
1: Yeah, look yeah. at the building. Yeah, I, Yeah.
0: Look at, look at the building I was a part of. Right. right. That's what's so, great about construction. You
1: can actually take people and say, see what I exactly. did? Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. All right.
0: It is one of the great rewards of being in the business that I'm in.
1: Yeah. All right. So. Dan, last question here on Critical Mass Radio Show. If someone would like to learn more about LPA, how do they find your firm online?
0: Yeah, great. The best way is on our website. Okay. That's uh, lpainc.com we've got a twitter account it's the literally the same thing and uh-huh. uh so that's the best way because our website's actually very uh inclusive of the kinds of things we do it has our newsletters on it our pod our podcasts, the things we do videos and it's a really good way for them to get to know what we do
1: so it sounds like you're having a good time uh yeah i'm very
0: lucky you uh, have been lucky uh, i'm i i love what i do and i'm surrounded by people who have that same passion yeah. for it so
1: it's great right and and i think to have 50 percent of your workforce millennials yeah uh, that's got to keep you kind of on your game as well
0: yeah they're they're really the conscience of the firm they'll let you know right away if you're off target right, so
1: that, right. i think that's the other side of when you hire people with a sustainability mentality and the rest of the st- collaborate they have a certain expectation about
0: absolutely we've got to walk the talk right yeah absolutely. right
1: and they're calling foul when you don't yeah. right yeah. which yeah. i think is great for the culture
0: it's uh, you know, it's exactly what it's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be open, all of those sort of things. And uh, it, it actually makes better work, a better work environment and creates better work.
1: Well, this has been a great I've, – I've been looking forward to having you on the show since we met. And well, this is a pleasure. It's I've, great. I, I've, no, I've known of your brand for years. Um, it, it's a great institution, and you really, I think, help the marketplace understand a little bit more from your perspective as its leader. So thank you for your time today. Thanks for being a friend of the program and a part of the community. Great. All right. Thank you, Rick. You're welcome. That's going to do it for this episode of the Critical Mass Radio Show. Got to thank our engineer, who's also the owner of the station today. Paul Roberts is manning the board. Our producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to learn more about this radio show podcast or the CEO peer groups that I lead, then visit my website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction.